Chapter ninety three of the Social War of nineteen hundred or the Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of nineteen hundred or the Conspirators and Lovers by Simon Landis. Chapter ninety three pathetic meeting of victor and lucinda after the battle the interview between victor and lucinda was what shall i say heart-rending or heart-bleeding in sooth thousands stood with quivering lips and tearful eyes remember this was not by any means a common meeting of common lovers but when we reflect upon the numerous privations sufferings and anxieties that these two lovers of god lovers of humanity and lovers of each other were compelled to go through and at the close of these perilous adventures they meet again safe and sound it was really a touching scene very few who have lived in affluence or who led reckless lives could appreciate the impulses that moved these lovers and their spectators the latter had suffered in battle had experienced the hands of the haughty lucre king the power of the inhuman tyrant and the misery that poverty and want caused in a land where so to speak milk and honey should abundantly flow unto all the children of earth alike when dr juno heard that the people were exclaiming general lucinda hurrah for general lucinda hurrah 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 he asked what this all meant for he was not yet aware that his beloved affianced wife had taken his place in the field of battle and after general armington briefly told him he cried aloud make way for my affianced wife then the people parted to permit the happy couple to meet dr juno stood like marble with open arms and exclaimed when she flew into his arms my beloved my guardian angel silence and throbbing of hearts spoke the balance until the lovers regained their equilibrium when dr juno raised his head and said friends pardon a weak man's overflowing soul which is an evidence of the love he bears for a good and true woman such as this one my lucinda is when he repeated the last part of his sentence he had his right arm around her waist whilst he held her right hand in his left and gazed most lovingly into her upraised eyes which made a picture that was almost celestial to behold he now conducted her into an open coach and generals armington and orthod joined the couple when they were driven through the immense crowd of the soldiers of both armies besides citizens who cheered vociferously many rending their garments throwing their hats into the air and many novel expressions were made that indicated joy however several persons expressed themselves as displeased who were literally torn into atoms by the infuriated concourse of working people the people had learned for the first time that they were the sovereigns of america and they recognized dr juno as the man who brought about this great reform and they vowed to heed his counsel in all time to come as he was the only man who thoroughly understood how to direct a sound government according to the new era after the four generals namely lucinda dr juno armington and orthod 
had been driven through the large concourse of spectators, they went to the headquarters of General Orthod, where they had all their wants supplied, for they were all hungry. And Dr. Juno had his old, common army clothes on yet, which looked none too clean and sound, because he was taken prisoner in them, was wearing them ever since, and they were full of bullet holes, which gave them a ragged aspect. After he exchanged these war-worn rags for a new suit of black, he appeared before his beloved Lucinda, and the happy couple had a great deal of news to relate that transpired since they last met. Dr. Juno told her how he defied the court-martial, and Lucinda said to him, "'You are a most fearless hero. It is a miracle how you have escaped. But providence seems to favor us, for which I pray and thank God without ceasing.' you are an angel replied he but i knew what i was doing when i defied them you know my precious darling i have always told you that i had unbounded confidence in the people and when i saw that the courthouse was crowded with spectators i felt secure because i knew that i would be able to make firm friends of nearly every one of them it was my speech that saved my life and won the battle so easily how so my love said she i cannot see that because they found you guilty and ordered you to be shot at ten o'clock this morning just so my angel but don't you see that the soldiers rebelled and would not shoot me and my speech caused a crowd to lynch every one of the court-martial that voted for my conviction responded he you are my great hero and i can only thank god for again being with you safe and sound said she they sat for several hours in deep conversation concerning the things with which the reader is familiar. The war was now literally at an end, and the officers and leaders of the conspirators made themselves very scarce. Not that they dreaded the naturalists so much, but they feared their own people more, who were just beginning to find out how they had been humbugged for so many, many years by the false representations that were made by the conspirators. These orthodox conspirators had always represented Dr. Juno as one of the worst, lewd, low criminal men living, whilst the shoe was on the other foot. He was the very man who ought to have been brought forward by these professed saints, who took upon themselves to guard the welfare of the nation, when it is being proved by unimpeachable testimony that they were the very ones who bankrupted body, soul, spirit, church, state, and finance. Their house was founded upon the sand, and the rain of shot and shell, and the storm that the working people have produced, caused their infamous temple to fall, and great was the fall of it. Dr. Juno published a brief order, stating that his generals would attend to the disposal of the armies that were at that place, whilst he would journey east, and when home in Philadelphia he would issue his proclamation of peace. He took two regiments of picked naturalists as an escort with him, but he had something else in his mind's eye besides escort, which was to settle the long-standing account with the lucre tyrants and sanctimonious demons who had persecuted and robbed him of all his rights for years. The axe shortly fell upon the necks of the guilty parties, as will be seen as we pass on. End of chapter 93